Welcome to the Learn to License Your Photos podcast, the show where we teach you how to license your photos so you can earn additional revenue from your photography business. This episode will be a little different than the others. I had the opportunity to be interviewed as a guest on the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast, so I wanted to share that here on our platform as well. If you're not familiar with Martin Bailey or his podcast, he's a nature photographer based in Tokyo, Japan, originally from the UK. His podcast has been a staple in the photography world for years and has some really great guests on. So if you want to hear more of his episodes, just search for Martin Bailey Photography Podcast wherever you're listening to this or online at martinbaileyphotography.com. During our conversation, I shared my background and my backstory in photography, uh, talked all about moving to Hawaii, and of course, we talked a lot about licensing photos. But let's not waste any more time. Here we go. So, Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Martin. Appreciate you. I'm uh, excited to be here and talk to you. I, uh, I've been looking forward to this. You, you dropped me a line uh, a few days ago. I, um, I've been looking, checking out your work. Obviously got lots of great stuff to talk about. And um, your entrepreneurship and, uh, and all, all of the, uh, the various aspects of your business. Um, so I'm looking forward to jumping into this. Thank you. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Adam. Yeah, started kind of back in the beginning. I grew up in a real small town right outside New Orleans, Louisiana. And uh, at an early age, I fell in love with BMX bike riding. And uh, around the same time, at an early age, I fell in love with, fell in love with photography. So mm. on uh, fifth grade family vacation to New York City, I'm standing there at the base of the Statue of Liberty with my mom's point-and-shoot camera. I'm snapping pictures of the Lady Liberty. I'm snapping pictures of the skyline across the harbor. And I'm just thinking like, man, this is the coolest thing in the world. I want to be a photographer when I grow up. Mm. And keep in mind, I'm in fifth grade at this point. Um, but fast forward and I get to high school and they have the yearbook class. And so I'm walking around taking pictures at the school. And then I get to go back and put the pictures into a layout and make a book out of it. Mm. And that was really cool. And so at that point, I thought, well, if I could take pictures and layout pages for a BMX magazine, then that would combine my two interests. And that would be the coolest job in the world. So I set my sights on this uh, big lofty goal. I was going to work at the leading BMX magazine in the world, Ride BMX Magazine. So I told everybody when I graduated high school, I'm going to go to college for graphic design as a backup plan. And then when I graduate, I'm going to move to Southern California and do whatever it takes to work at the BMX magazine. Mm. Well, little did I know at the time that the designer and the photographer of a magazine, unlike in the yearbook staff at school, is two different jobs. And the photographer gets to travel all around the world and do cool stuff. And the designer sits at a desk all day. <laughs> so while I was in college, uh, I shifted my focus and began focusing more on photography. And uh, through a lot of hard work and focus, uh, make a long story short, a month before I graduated college, I got a call from the editor of that magazine to see if I wanted to interview for, the, for a job position at the magazine. Oh, brilliant. Uh, so I literally got my dream job right out of college, moved uh, from small town Louisiana um, to Southern California. I worked in the BMX industry uh, for about eight years, uh, five and a half of those years at the magazine. And then I left to pursue freelance work. Uh, as you mentioned, I kind of have an entrepreneurial mindset uh, and I just didn't make a great employee. You know, I, I was good at what I did, but I wasn't a great employee. Hmm. Uh, so I worked in action sports for a while longer and then uh, shifted into fitness photography as my passions kind of shifted and changed. And then eventually kind of pivoted into real estate photography, which transitioned into what I'm doing now, which is. Uh, interior and architecture photography. So currently, I work with interior designers, custom home builders, and architects, uh, and do more high-end uh, interiors and architecture photography. Excellent. It's uh, it's a great story. I, I love the fact that you jumped into your dream job sort of straight at well, just before you got out of college. So yeah. for for me, raised in in England, 
I I'm not so confident with the sort of the the rel- the fifth grade thing. How old is that yeah. roughly? Like ten years okay. old or so? Yeah, it must have been uh, probably yeah around nine or ten years old probably. Okay. Yeah, and uh, like I said, I just had this little point and shoot camera that my mom let me borrow of hers while while we were on vacation and. I must have taken like 15 rolls of film and I was so excited to get home and develop the film. You know, we, we sent it out to some lab in the mail and the mail came back and, you know, here I am like cutting with scissors to like crop the images to make a better crop and everything. Oh, brilliant. I just loved it. And I loved sharing the pictures with people afterwards, you know? Yeah. I completely understand it. You know, that's very similar. I was probably 11 years old or so when I, I was on a holiday with a friend's uh, parents and my friend, of course, and we were out doing landscape stuff and that. And my friend's dad had a, an old Russian camera, Zenit, I think it was, a, an SLR camera. And I was, he said, "You want to come and help me with this?" And I was messing around, and he'd let me release the shutter a few times. And it's those early things that really sort of that feed you into it. So I, I can yeah. totally relate to it. Yeah, and I, and I have to give credit to my mom and say thank you to her because you know, she kind of just let me take it, you know, she could have stopped me and said, no, you're wasting the film. I don't want to pay for all this film or whatever. Yeah. Or she could have said, this is a brand new camera. I don't want you to break it. But she totally gave me the freedom. And uh, I actually remember it was one of these Kodak cameras that back in the day, they had three different settings of like, you know, wide, medium and panoramic or whatever. So you can mm. kind of change the width of it based on the film. Uh, and so, yeah, she just let me go with it. And I took uh, way more photos than I probably should have, but <laughs> it helped shape me into the person I am today. Yeah, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. So the, you did you, your BMX work. You started, you say you weren't such a good employee. Was that because you, you'd got your, your mind was elsewhere? You were already starting to think of the next thing? I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very goal-oriented. That's a good question. Um, you know, I set my sights on that goal. And uh, and once I had it, it was kind of like, okay, well, what's the next goal? Nah. And the other part of it was that, you know, as part of my job, I was being sent all around the world to shoot photos and make videos uh, of professional BMX riders. And most of these guys didn't have quote unquote regular jobs. And so I was having a blast going out and shooting with them and hanging out with them at the skate parks and the street spots and at the competitions. But after all that was over, I would go to my room and edit all night and grind all night and you know, be making blog posts and they were going and hanging out. And after the trip was over, they were going back home to hang out some more. And I was going back to an office. Mm. And so I kind of got a taste of this like free spirited lifestyle, uh, you know, living alongside these professional athletes. And so uh, once I got a taste of that kind of freedom, I wanted more of it. And I saw how these other guys were living and, and uh, I just wanted that. And so I think that was part of it. And then also, you know, just being entrepreneurial Uh, And I'll be honest with you, I didn't make a lot of money. And so that was part of it, too, is that, you know, because I wasn't making a lot of money, I was having to find other side hustles and other ways to, you know, increase my income. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of those things that I I did, it's kind of a good segue into what we're going to talk about today is I began to license some of my BMX photos to other companies, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, in addition to using them on the website that I needed them for, uh, you know, I was able to sell them to BMX rider sponsors and things like that. Mm. And you were doing that from when you were photographing at school, basically, you know, trying to figure out other things that you were, that you could do with your images while as you were shooting them. Yeah, well, well, once I got a job at the magazine and started shooting with professional writers and everything, um, you know, a big part of what I did was cover competitions. So I would go to big events like X Games or these big international competitions. Uh, and, you know, at the competition, you would come home with, you know, a couple thousand photographs of the world's top athletes. Mm. 
Uh, and, you know, at the time we weren't really publishing them in the printed magazine that was re reserved for like, you know, different editorial features. So a lot of these images were just going on the website. Mm. And so we would make a gallery of 30 or 40 photos from the competition. And, you know, we'd save a few of the photos to do an interview with a guy later down the line. But then there were still hundreds, if not thousands of photos on my hard drive from these competitions mm. that were decent or usable images. Uh, some of them even good images. Mm. Uh, and what would happen is that, uh, rider sponsors, their energy drink companies, their clothing companies, their bike companies, their shoe companies that they rode for would reach out to me because they knew that I was at the competitions and they would say, Hey, do you have a photo of XYZ rider from this competition? You know, mm. he got a silver medal. We'd love to do an ad in a magazine with them. Mm. Uh, and so I was able to sell my photos that way. Uh, and then I kind of got the foresight to, you know, start offering people photos before the competition even happened. So, mm. um, you know, not only were companies reaching out to me after the competition, oh, and then uh, I started reaching out to other companies after the competition. So, you know, after the event was over, I would reach out to monster energy drink and say, Hey, um, you know, I've got photos of these riders that were at your, at this event. Do you, do you need any of them? And, you know, send them some samples and stuff. Mm. Uh, and then I started getting the insight to offer photos before the competition even happened. So <laughs> I would build relationships with these companies, like for instance, monster energy drink, Fox clothing and apparel company. And I would reach out to my contact there and say, hey, I'm going to be at this competition in whatever country. I know a handful of your riders are going to be there. If you agree to pay me X amount of dollars, I'll give you, you know, five photos each day of the competition weekend. Or I'll give you a gallery of 20 photos after the competition's over or whatever it might have been. Mm. And so I started to kind of, you know, hustle is, is yeah. uh, what you can call it. Um, and, and to come full circle, that's part of why I didn't make such a great employee is that I got to the point where I was hustling so much that, you know, as you can imagine, my boss wasn't super excited about it towards the end there. You know, it was one of these things where everybody kind of did it in the industry. Uh, anybody that worked at the magazine did it throughout the years. Um, but I think I just did it a little bit less quietly and maybe a little more aggressively than other people. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I didn't have a big salary. I was trying to make a living. I lived in Southern California, which is a very expensive place to live. Uh, and I was trying to, you know, reach my other goals of, you know, being able to buy a house and support a family and all these kind of things. Mm. So I essentially, I had to find ways to make more money. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. And so, you know, that, that yearning for the, to be a free spirit, um, which, you know, we fast forward a few years and you tell me you've just moved to Hawaii and, you know, that's in search of you another dream, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so to, um, to go back a little bit, um, you know, we're recording this in uh, end of November 2020. Mm. In March of this year, um, March 29th to be exact, I had a one-way ticket for myself and my wife and my three-year-old daughter. We had a one-way ticket to Bali, Indonesia. Uh, we were going to go there for a year uh, and quote-unquote take a year off, um, mm. but at the same time, like, you know, sort of pursue online income and things like that. Uh, but basically just go there to live a dream. You know, mm. we, we had these words written on our vision board. We had these dreams kind of played out on paper that we wanted to live. And, you know, we wanted a house on the beach. We wanted to be able to snorkel and free dive in our backyard. We wanted a rooftop gym to work out at. And, you know, we had all these lifestyle goals that we wanted. Mm. Uh, and as we looked at them every night before we went to bed, uh, you know, we realized these aren't going to happen in Long Beach, California. So where do we need to go to make these happen? How long do we need to wait and work to make these happen? Mm. And at a certain point, it was like, well, can we make them happen now? Uh, and we were big fans of Bali. We had traveled there several times. Uh, one time on our honeymoon, we spent like three and a half weeks there. And then, you know, another vacation we did four weeks. And then last year, uh, as we were making decisions and plans to move there, we spent five weeks there. Mm. Um, 
And we decided, yeah, let's, um, you know, let's go for a year. So we had a one-way flight to Bali to live out this dream on March 29th. And as you know, COVID hit early March. Mm-hmm. Um, California, where we lived at the time, shut down everything uh, March 19th. So just like 10 days before our flight was due to leave. And then Bali closed borders to international people uh, like five days before our flight was due. Uh-huh. So at this point, we had already you know, downsized. We had donated and purged and gotten rid of a ton of things and sold things. We had you know, gotten rid of half our furniture. Uh, luckily, um, we had our condo set up for lease and we had our car for sale, but neither one of them uh, had, had gone by that time. So luckily, we still had a place to stay. And we mm. still had our car, uh, which was a blessing in disguise. Um, but, you know, we had put so much time and energy and resources into making this move to live out our dreams that we really uh, were, were crushed, you know, we were devastated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, many people during the COVID pandemic had it much worse than we did. But, you know, again, we had put a lot into this and, and were very let down. Mm-hmm. And so all throughout 2020, we were living almost like we felt like our life was on pause. You know, eventually we, you know, bought some new furniture to replace the stuff we had sold. And eventually I started shooting again and, and servicing my clients there. But at the same time, like our mind and our heart seemed like we were already out of California. We were kind of living with one foot out the door, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at a certain point, we just kept waiting for Bali to open their borders, hoping we could get back to that house that we had, you know, put a lease agreement in place for. And it just wasn't happening. Bali wasn't opening their borders. And so we said, okay, where else will give us the same type of lifestyle that we desire? Um, mm. And in America, Hawaii is kind of the, the closest vibe you can get. You know, it's a tropical paradise. It's an island. You've got, you know, snorkeling and free diving. You've got hikes to waterfalls and, you know, warm tropical weather all year round. Mm. Um, and so we decided, you know what? Let's move. And mm. literally, uh, we made that decision. And two months later, we were here, oh, which was crazy. You know, we... Uh, we left behind, you know, obviously friends and a network there and all of my clients. Um, and so it was, it was a very big, uh, crazy decision. Um, but because we had a already done the logistics work of, you know, about to move yeah. uh, and B mentally, we were so prepared to move earlier in the year, you know, we were able to, to put everything into motion very quickly and mm. take the plunge. So yeah, mm. currently we're uh, in Oahu, Hawaii. And, uh, as I'm talking to you, we're in an Airbnb. Uh, we're switching to a new one tomorrow that we'll stay at for a month. And then starting January 1st, we'll have, you know, found a more long-term place to lease out and hmm. uh, start living out here. Excellent. Well, congratulations on on getting closer to your sort of final goal. And well, Thank it may not you. be, I'm, it won't be your final goal. We both right, know right. that, right? You, you'll you'll live there for a while and then something else will will ignite a spark and you'll yeah. uh, you'll start to think about everything else. But it's great that you're, you're getting to the point where you're able to actually get out and do the things that you're dreaming of doing. And I think yeah. it's, so you you um you've moved over to Hawaii. You've got is it for, from a an American's perspective? Is it easy for you because it's same country? Is it easy yeah. for you to move over there, or is there lots um, of red tape or anything? There was a little bit of uh, of issues only due to COVID and due to our dog. Ah, okay. So because it's an island, uh, bringing a pet to the island is, is a little bit challenging. So uh, it's just a lot of steps that involve uh, a fair amount of money. You know. Totally ended up costing probably about a thousand dollars before it was all said and done. Mm. And there's just a lot of steps you have to take as far as making appointments with your vet, filling out paperwork, sending things overnight to a lab, and then to Hawaii and all these things. Mm. Uh, and so there was, uh, you know, some red tape with the dog, uh, and then just COVID stuff. You know, we had to, uh, you know, send uh, send things over ahead of time to say that we were coming, and then we had to take a, a COVID test and get negative results before we arrived. Um, but as far as everything else, like you know, if it wasn't for the dog and it wasn't for COVID, it'd be just a flight and you know, starting to pay rent over here or whatever. Mm, mm, okay. 
So, so you, you'd built this customer base, you'd got all of your clients and everything, you'd got a successful business and you, you dropped all of that. You're starting again now. And that's the, this is the third time you're doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So originally I left the BMX industry and started doing fitness photos, mm. uh, which was kind of starting all over and, and a whole beef there. And then I left that to do real estate, which turned into what I'm doing now, which was kind of starting all over again. And then now, yeah, moving to Hawaii, uh, I'm not changing um, industries as far as the type of photos that I'm service or doing. Um, but it's, you know, like you said, a whole new client base. Mm. Uh, and so one of my uh, kind of takeaways that I'd like people to get away from this is that you can start over, you know, mm. um, if you have a clear direction in mind, just like I had a clear direction of I wanted to work for BMX magazine and, and went after that goal. Mm. Um, you know, just like I decided I wanted to go from BMX to fitness and from fitness to real estate. Um, you know, if you have a direction of where you want to go, you can make it happen. Um, mm. And so, you know, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that I've already built an amazing business here in Hawaii. I've only been here 17 days. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've got a plan in place. I know the direction I want to go. I know the clients that I want to serve. Mm. Um, and uh, one of my big um, kind of success tips that I would like to give to people is, you know, effective emails. Um, and so when I started doing real estate, when I started doing interiors and architecture, uh, my email campaigns were very successful. And I knew that I could kind of rely on that to give me a little jump start. And so uh, six days ago now, as we're talking, uh, I sent out my first email to clients here or potential clients here in, in uh, Hawaii. Mm. And uh, I've had one in-person meeting, uh, one Zoom meeting so far, and I've got two more scheduled. Oh, brilliant. Um, so things are going really well. And again, I want to give actionable takeaways take to your listeners. So mm. um in order to find the clients that I reached out to here, uh, what I did was I went to a virtual assistant. You know, these are overseas people that you can pay relatively low wages um, compared to U.S. fees anyway, um, in order to get information or, or do tasks for you. So um, I hired a virtual assistant to do data mining. So essentially I told them I want every single custom home builder, every single architect, and every single interior designer on the island of Oahu. Mm. I want to know their company name, their company website, and their email address. Uh, and I paid a relatively low fee. It was $125. Wow. Uh, and they got every single one on the island. Uh, unfortunately, for that same price, where I was able to get a thousand contacts in Los Angeles County, where I previously lived, I was only able to get, you know, 360 here in the, on the island mm. because it's just a much smaller geographic region mm. uh, with a lot less people. Uh, but it was super helpful. It was well worth the money. Uh, and then from those emails, I put them into a MailChimp campaign. Um, and I have, you know, a series of emails that I can send out to people. And because I've done it with, uh, you know, different groups of people over the years, uh, I kind of have emails that are already built up and I just have to change the wording and change a few things to make mm. it relevant to the clients here in Oahu. Mm. Uh, and my first email I would love to share with you guys, because, uh, I know people struggle with, you know, how to cold reach people and how to get somebody's attention, uh, when they don't know who you are and stuff, mm. which can be very difficult. Yeah. Um, and so my strategy for this is, A, keep it super short and sweet. You know, people that uh, are getting pitched to uh, get these kind of things all the time. And so if they can decide if they want to proceed to read it within, you know, two seconds, then you've got them. Mm. Uh, so you got to keep it short and sweet. If they see a giant email, they're automatically going to think this is going to take too long. I don't have time to digest this. You might get pushed to the bottom of their inbox. They might just click delete right away. So you want it super short so that they know looking at it from a glance that it's only going to take them a few seconds to read. Um, and then from there, you know, you introduce yourself, uh, you tell them why you're, you're messaging, uh, and you kind of explain uh, that you would like to work with them. Mm. And so 
essentially without reading it word for word, my email to potential new clients is something like this. Hey, I know you're busy, so I'm going to keep this brief, which is exactly how I reached out to you and I yeah, contacted yeah. you. Um, and then let them know who I am. My name is Adam. I'm an interior and architecture photographer. I just moved here to the island. Uh, if you have any projects you'd like photos of, I would love to work with you and um, you know talk to you more about how you run your business and about my process. Um, and if you don't, then no problem. Please enjoy these photos of super cute dogs. <laughs> and then I attach five photos uh, that I shot of interior spaces that have dogs in the shots. Mm. Uh, this is, you know, obviously friendly and inviting and everybody loves dogs. Um, and uh, it's just a good kind of easy icebreaker. And they know right away that I'm respecting their time, uh, that, you know, I, they know exactly who I am and, and what I'm after because I've already told them what kind of photography I do and that I just moved here mm. and that I would love to work with them. Uh, and then just a couple photos to show them that, hey, I, I do quality work. And then, of course, you know, if they want to see more, they can click on my website and Instagram. Mm. Uh, and the success rate from that style of email has been super effective for me. Mm. Uh, and so I think other photographers can kind of take that and, you know, deconstruct a little bit and, uh, you know, make something that is fitting for their specific industry, whether it's, you know, interiors with dogs or, you know, lifestyle photos with some kind of theme to it um, that, you know, resonates with their viewers and, and their potential client base. Mm. You, you've just described exactly what I did a few days ago when I got your email. You know, I, I get a lot of email, people saying, oh, can, can we do an interview? Can we do this? And I, I try to be as responsive as possible. You, you just walk through everything that I normally do. If it's too long or if there's, there's too much work involved, then I'll, I'll, leave it as, I'll leave it unread and I don't get back to it for a few weeks. And then, then I think, you know, well, this is probably too late now anyway. And so things, things happened and I, I got your email and, I, and it was like brief, really friendly. And I thought, oh, this guy looks, sounds like he's, he's worth having a good chat with. And, and I could tell from that point that you're, you're not only going to be good to talk with on a you know, personable sort of level, but I could tell that you'd got the, the sort of the business acumen and the, and all of the stuff that I would like to relay to my listeners. And so yes. I, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, great. I got straight back in touch with you and here we are. Yeah, um, and I, I appreciate that. And to that point, you know, knowing your, your target audience, knowing the person that you're reaching out to and having an idea of what their mindset is like helps so much when mm. you're trying to reach out to potential clients. Yeah. Um, like you said, you know, if it gets pushed to the bottom of the inbox, gets pushed off for a few days, that's not where you want to be. Right. Um, so these quick, short emails, uh, like you said, super friendly. Mm. And what it does is that it shows them right off the bat that you're easy to work with and professional, which yeah. is really at the end of the day, as a business person, you know, in my field, I'm working with architects, designers. They want somebody that they can rely on that they know is going to be easy to work with and professional. Mm. Yeah. And it came across. It's great. So um, as you've... You've got through, you know, you've got to this point, you've started to reach out to clients, you're getting a few meetings set up. We both, I think uh, you probably more than me, but we're, we're pretty confident things are going to go well. And you, you're going to build up a new client base for the third time. This is sort of off the top of my head. What, what do you think is going to say in a year's time? Where do you picture yourself being? And I know that you, as you say, you're very goal orientated. Yeah. Where do you picture yourself being in a year? Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, it's funny because as goal oriented as I am, uh, because of COVID and how everything's planned out this mm. year, you know, the goal 
this year was kind of like, just get to that next place, like just get to Bali or to Hawaii or whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, I haven't fully written out my goals for next year uh, per se, but you know, I love what I do. I love shooting interior spaces and, you know, more of the high end stuff. Uh, so I really hope to have a couple of really key relationships in place with, you know, like I said, interior designers, builders, and architects here on the Island. Um, because you don't need a lot of clients, you know, you need a couple of really good clients. Mm. Um, back on the mainland in California, I had, uh, two uh, retainer relationships that were really valuable where, you know, one company I worked with for three years, the other about a year um, where I basically had a monthly salary and, you know, I was like their go-to photographer. And Mm -hmm. so as a freelancer uh, to have steady income, that's really valuable, especially when I have a family, uh, especially in a new place like Hawaii where, you know, uh, things are relatively uncertain at this point and I don't have those clients built up yet. Mm. Um, So I could see myself, you know, building a, a relationship like that where I have a retainer in place but, you know, right now, uh, in this moment, because I just moved here and because things are so fresh, yeah. you know, my sights are kind of set on sort of the medium term or the short term of like, okay, let's get into a really comfortable house, uh, you know, living situation that is going to allow us, you know, myself and my wife to be creative, uh, to be energized and inspired and excited about the work that we do, you know, a place that's conducive to us going on our, you know, daily or weekly adventures to hiking and diving and everything like that. So, yeah. And, and then on top of that, you know, I really want to build up uh, another aspect of my business, uh, which is licensing. Mm. So, you know, not only licensing my photos, which we can talk about, but also uh, helping other photographers license their photos. So I act uh, currently as kind of a licensing agent with a handful of photographers mm. um, that are either too busy to do that into their business or, you know, maybe they just aren't that good at it or um, they just don't like it and simply don't want to do it. Mm. Um, so I'm helping uh, other photographers sell their images. Um, and so these are, for example, if a designer hires me or somebody else to shoot a kitchen, you know, we can uh, license the shot to the kitchen designer that, that designed the space. But then also we can take that same image and try to license it to the cabinet company, the faucet company, the appliance company. Mm. Um, and so this is a, a kind of skill built into this type of photography that I've become really good at. Uh, mm. And like I said, I, it's a big part of my personal business with my photos. And I'm also helping other photographers as a licensing agent. So I'd like to get other photographers kind of under my umbrella, so to speak, uh, Mm. and, you know, license their images. And then kind of a shoot off of that is I've created a whole course um, called learn to license your photos that, you know, uh, I basically teach my tips and tactics and techniques on how I do this for myself and other people so that other photographers can license their photos better. And so obviously I want to get, you know, more people enrolled in the course and help more photographers earn more money through that. Mm. Yeah. And I, I saw that on your website. That's obviously one of the things that we'd, we'd sort of got slated to talk about. We might as well jump in and talk about it right now as, we, as we're here. I see that you've got some teasers on your website. You've got some links to sign up and that. Tell us a little bit more about the course. And I already, just from talking with you today for this few minutes, I can tell that you'd be a great teacher, but also you've got the, the business sense behind that, that and I see from your references on your website that you've got uh, a bunch of people that are really enjoying working with you. Tell us a little bit about the course and and what people would get. And and uh, we will we'll put links to this stuff in the blog post so that uh, the listeners can can get to it. And just so that before I forget, that's going to be at mbp.ac slash 726. So uh, you'll be able to go and get all of the links that we talk about. But tell us a little bit more about the course, Adam. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the course started uh, because, like I said, I got good at, at doing this part of my business. And I was in these Facebook groups um, where I made a post uh, 
saying, you know, oh, I, I just found a, a contact at such and such company. Uh, I think I've gotten really good at finding contacts. Um, you know, does anybody else need to know how to find contacts? Like maybe I can do a tutorial about how to find the right marketing person at a company. Mm. And it was funny because the response that I got from that post was like, wait, you're selling your photos? Like, I didn't know I could do this. Or like, wait, like, I don't need to know how to find contacts. I need to know how to do all of this. And so I was like, whoa, I, I, I guess I just thought that everybody was licensing their photos. I mean, I did it with BMX photos. I did it with fitness photos. Uh, I did it with, you know, a landscape photo. Um, and now I'm doing it with interior photos. And so I realized that, you know, although it is industry standard in some respects is that, you know, it's a common thing. Not everybody in the real estate photography or architecture photography space knew how to do this. Mm. Um, and so I did a, a quick like one hour webinar and uh, got a lot of great response. Um, but I realized at that point how much more there was that I could share. Mm. And, um, you know, as business minded as I am, I never would have done something like this had another guy not approached me and said, hey, I know how to do the back end of creating a course. I can film and edit and produce a course. I can run Facebook ads. Like I can kind of be the machine that runs it if you can put your ideas and knowledge into this. Mm. And so without a good business partner, it never would have happened. Um, his name's Jordan Powers. He's uh, an interior photographer uh, in the Midwest. So, you know, a several hour flight from where I was in California. Uh, but we teamed up and, uh, you know, we didn't want it to be off the cuff stuff. We spent months and months like researching and writing scripts. So mm. uh, there's more than five hours of uh, recorded videos that is all scripted. So it's not, you know, a lot of ums and uhs and, mm. you know, losing my train of thought. It's all very concise, planned out, thought out content uh, over the course of more than 50 videos. And it goes from A to Z. So everything from, you know, registering your images with the, with the copyright office to uh, why companies need your photos, um, you know, how to shoot photos that might sell better, how to edit them so that you, you have a better chance of licensing them after the fact, you know, copyright infringement stuff how to find the right contact in marketing at the company you want to reach out to, sending the cold email approach, um, similar to the email I just talked about with you. Yeah. You know, I give all my templates. So uh, instead of writing a new email to every company you want to reach out to, we've got copy and paste templates within the course that you can use. Um, these are the same emails that I use to sell my photos and other photographers' photos. Uh, and in addition to the five hours of content, we have bonus content, which is interviews with a product manufacturer that I've worked with. Uh, to hear from the marketing side of a company of, you know, what they use images for and how they source photos from people like myself. I interviewed other photographers that have different experience in the, in the uh, same realm of licensing their images just to get a different perspective. Um, I interviewed a client of mine on the, the design and build side um, to get their perspective of what it was like working with somebody like myself that, you know, shoots for them, but also licenses photos to other companies and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot in there. And then obviously we go over pricing and, and negotiating uh, tactics like that to get the most out of your images and then everything to all the way down to sending invoices and, you know, submitting your files to the company and stuff. So it's, it's a really all encompassing course. It's, you know, heavy on the real estate slash design and architecture images, because obviously that's the field that I work in currently. Mm. Um, but it's all very transferable into other industries. And we talk about that as well. Um, you know, like I said, I've licensed photos in the uh, fitness and the BMX industries. Um, I've licensed video clips. And so the course uh, talks a lot about building up your licensing mindset. And so a licensing mindset to me is a way of thinking about your photos that allows you to go about your business, whether that be shooting, editing, marketing yourself, talking to your clients, everything that goes into your business, the licensing mindset will come into play so that you're able to look at your business and look at your images 
through a whole nother light and in such a way that is going to set you up to be able to sell those photos to more people and mm. more companies that might need your photos in their marketing. Mm. Uh, and so what I'm trying to do is, again, not only show ABC, do this one, two, three step, and you can sell your photo to XYZ company, mm. but let's change the way you look at your photography so that you can you know, be able to sell them better. And the way I like to explain it to people is, you know, there's this thing when you buy a new car, all of a sudden you start to see those cars on the road all the time. Or, you know, when you're about to buy a new car and you're looking for a particular model and make of a car, you'll start to see that all over the place. And it's because your brain has filtered this information. Mm -hmm. And if you hadn't started looking for that car, they're still there. You just don't really realize them. Mm -hmm. And so once you develop this licensing mindset, all these opportunities will start to jump out at you. Yeah. So you'll go into, let's say for myself, a kitchen and you'll see, okay, this is the beautiful composition and all the detail that I need to capture for the designer that hired me. But you'll also see, oh, if I do this, it shows off the faucet a little bit better. If I do this, it shows off the tile backsplash a little bit better. Mm. Then I can sell it to the faucet company. Then I can sell it to the tile backsplash company. Uh, and so again, all the, um, the main points and principles are very uh, transferable into other industries and stuff as well. Mm. Yeah, I generally as I shoot, I will I'll do things like I'll I'll think, okay, I prefer this in a landscape orientation, but a vertical would, would be better for a magazine cover and things like that. Mm -hmm. And flip the camera up and just get a few extra shots in a different orientation, yeah. things like that. I'm totally with you. I have been licensing my work. I use I work with an agency. And they sell it um, relatively good high-end stuff. It's a, a company called Offset. Um, and they're, they're basically a sister company of Shutterstock, which is, okay. you know, Shutterstock is is affordable, uh, you know, in a, to be nice and politically correct. Right. Um, it's an affordable um, sort of stock agency. And Offset is, you know, they charge quite a lot more, um, but they have a, a what they consider to be a, a more, a, a higher quality you know the the library of images that they have, and they've yeah. sold. They've done some good job. Some you know, I've had a few um, exclusive things where you know they've. I've had to sell exclusivity for five years, but that was for a, a pretty large amount of money. And so it's something that even even when I I don't do so much now, but it, when I've done portraits, I make sure that the port the shoot itself is X amount of money. And then, if the 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 people that have the shoot done want prints, I they have to buy each print obviously separately. Mm -hmm. But then the there's licensing talk comes into it for for any of the commercial work that I've done over the years. The they pay for the shoot, and then they have to license the images as a separate thing. It's not. Yep. It's you know a lot of people think you pay for the shoot and then you just throw the bit throw the the memory card at them afterwards yeah. it's not how it, it's, it it is how it works if that's how how you do it but generally there's there's more to be done there and i think it's it's great that you're teaching that stuff and i can obviously i can tell from what you're what you're saying here that it's a, a very powerful tool that you're providing for people and it sounds i, I was looking at the I, I don't have it on my screen now but it's it's like it's less than four hundred dollars right yeah Yes. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, you sell one photo and it pays for itself. Like, you know, a lot of courses are not so easy to track your ROI. Mm. But this one is is seriously a no-brainer. And, you know, we did that, did it that way because we want to be able to help other photographers. We mm. want it to be affordable for everybody. And like I said, literally, you sell one photo after learning from the course and you just paid for it. So yeah. 
if I recall, you, I think you'd said that you'd you'd set up a uh, discount for any of the users. That would people enter the word Martin and you get a discount. That's right. Yeah, uh, enter Martin at checkout and you'll get twenty five percent off the course. Oh well, that's very generous of you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'll make a note in the in the blog post. Yeah, um, no problem. So it's great that you're doing all of this, and it. it you know, I, I I feel like I want to jump in and take the course myself, but I I, uh, I already have my my agent set up. And I love the way you're you're doing these. You're doing little things that help you to speed along the process, and like like using the people for you paid the money to get the list of of uh, people to contact, and all of this stuff is is it it just helps you to become more efficient and productive. I think, and Absolutely. one one thing this is almost related but not so much you, you mentioned earlier copying and pasting um into emails have you heard of a an application called text expander text expander no i haven't it's I'll write it down. I, I, I use i use it like all the time and it, it what you do is you set it up it's a list sits in your in your system tray you set it up and you you create little templates so say for example when i get someone who signs up for one of my tours I type TWE, which is Tor Welcome Email, mm. and it's it pops up a screen and says, What have you who who's this going to? Which tour is it and what year? I answer mm. that and, and then there's a checkbox for whether it's multiple participants or just one person, because the wording changes. So I answer these four questions, type and I have to do it. I open up a new email and put the point, put the um, the mouse, click the subject, because that's where it starts. But then when I, I've answered those four questions and hit enter, it creates the subject and puts the body of the email with all of the links and the person's name and the year and the tour name, and it embeds it all into the into the page, you know, into the, and it's really good for that sort of stuff. So it's got a, like a yearly fee. I think they charge like five, five bucks a month or something like that. It's not, it's not, free but it's yeah it saves me so much work you know the, even when i when i i'm writing my blog post for this later on when i embed the player and the code for that i'll, I'll just write sppl um mm-hmm. which is the the i think it's smart podcast player or something i forget how i did it but i type sppl and it says what episode is it i type in the number and it goes off and creates the headers for the mm. for the blog post and that so it's a really good way of um, speeding up productivity yeah um, thank you i've never heard of that i'll definitely look into it i, I wrote yeah. a note here on my phone so i appreciate that uh, that's all right um so we've you've sent me a link uh with to some some of your beautiful work and we're gonna i'm just gonna grab that now so that we can look through uh, at the same time, where have I put that? Uh, I'm going to click through these, and I will put these in the blog post. Like I say, that's going to be at, set at mbp.ac slash 726. Uh, so people can come along and, and follow along with us. But can you tell us a little bit about each of these photos? If I can start and go a little bit out of order, it'll help to go chronologically. And I oh, okay. it and put them in order ahead of time. Absolutely. Um, so the first one we'll look at um, is Axe Body Spray. Um, so this image is of a BMX rider. Again, this is where I started my career. I this got it. photo was shot at X Games. You know, I was uh, working full-time for the magazine at the time uh, and was shooting the X Games competition that takes place every year. It's the you know, biggest action sports competition. Most people that have heard of you know, BMX or skateboarding or motocross or anything have heard of X Games. Uh, so I shot this for X Games. The following year, um, this particular guy, Scotty Kramer, 
was getting a deal, uh, an endorsement deal through Axe Body Spray. And so Axe was looking for an image of him to put on a poster mm. so that he could autograph posters at X Games. Uh, so this is an instance where I shot a photo and was able to license it to Axe. Uh, but you can see in the photo, clearly, he's got the Monster Energy logo on his helmet. He's got the Fox Clothing logo on his shirt. Yeah. Uh, and those are two other companies I've licensed photos to as well. Um, but this is a good example of, you know, when I shot a photo and licensed it to, you know, another corporate company. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. I, I, I love the way you do that. It's just, it really is... Uh, it's one of those things that people, if you just like you say, you you, you see it, you're going to buy a car and you start seeing it everywhere. Just just picking up on that stuff as you work is really, really cool. Absolutely. So the next one is yeah. American Barbell. Um, after I left the BMX industry, yeah. uh, I started doing fitness photos. And the reason for that is because I started doing CrossFit. And a lot of people have heard of CrossFit and they hear that people get addicted to it. And uh, I became one of those guys that Talked about it constantly. Mm. So naturally, I kind of shifted my career over there as well. Um, so this image, I was actually hired as the official event photographer for this competition. Mm. So it was very similar to the style of BMX photos I was doing, you know, ambient light, long lens from the sidelines or, or whatever, um, occasionally getting, you know, to go quote unquote on the field and shoot closer to the athletes and whatnot. But this was a very similar situation where I was the event photographer. I had thousands of photos of all the athletes that competed in this event. Mm. Um, and the company American Barbell was the company that made the barbells, made the bumper plates, made the boxes you see in the background there. Mm, mm. And so uh, they wanted photos after the event to show that they provided the event with the equipment. Um, and so this particular athlete wasn't sponsored by that company, but she was using it, the equipment um, in that competition. Mm. Um, so, you know, again, this is not the highest caliber of, you know, high-end photography here, but it's practical everyday photography um, that you're able to make extra money on after you've shot, shot it for your original client. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. All right. So the next one is Long Beach Skyline. Um, this was the city that I lived in. Um, around the same time as the BMX and the fitness stuff was going on, I had a personal blog where it was kind of before, uh, you know, everybody was just dumping photos on Instagram every day. And I wanted a place to put my personal work on a, on a regular basis. So mm. um, just randomly one night, I rode my bike around Long Beach with a tripod and did some long exposure photos. Um, and shot this one. I think this was like back in 2011, I want to say, mm. um, shot, you know, I don't know, 10 photos of long beach at night, including the one you see here, mm. um, and posted them on my blog in a, you know, blog post that said long beach photography at night or something like that. Yeah. And it got a little bit of SEO traction. Um, yeah. and people started picking up on these images and a company reached out to me that, uh, makes custom like motor coaches, um, mm. you know, big RVs and, and things like that. Uh, think tour buses for bands and, and whatnot, or, or celebrity, you know, motor coaches. Mm. Uh, and there was an RV trade show coming up in Long Beach. And this company wanted to use a photo of the city of Long Beach as kind of a wrap on the side of one of their buses. Mm. Uh, and so I was able to, you know, I didn't reach out to them, to them directly, but this was a company that reached out to me. Yeah. And I was able to license this photo uh, to the company for their bus wrap. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I've also included the Long Beach bus. Uh, just by chance, I was actually riding my bike around Long Beach one day. Uh, I didn't know when the trade show was going to be. Um, and I just so happened to like ride past the trade show as it was happening and saw my photo on the side of the bus. So uh, this is just an old, you know, 2011 iPhone picture of this bus. No, it's um, great though. See how they used the photo on the side of the bus. Yeah. Um, and in this instance, because they reached out to me, because it was uh, a very specific intended use, I was able to negotiate a little bit better rate than some of the photos where I reach out to them um, kind of as a cold pitch, you know, mm, mm. because a lot of times when I reach out to a company, they don't necessarily have a, a direct use for it. They're not, 
you know, making a catalog and need a cover photo right there, but it's a good photo and they might need it later. So they're willing to, you know, put down a little bit of money for it. Mm. But when it's for something very specific, like a Long Beach shot at night that, you know, is a panoramic view, um, you know, they had a very specific use and timeline for it. So I was able to negotiate a little bit better price for that one. They've probably got a budget as well. You know, a lot of people, if you go, you go cold calling and they don't have budget put aside for something, it's going to make it more difficult to sell. But yeah, these guys yep. have obviously got a budget. They've got a bus that they want to paint. So yep, yeah, absolutely. it looks beautiful as well. It's, it's a great yeah, shot. It's nice to see thank it you. there. It's funny because I'm always uh, embarrassed to show this. It, it makes for the good story and it, it's a part of, of my story, but the uh, the actual skyline photo, I'm always a little embarrassed about it because I feel like it's it's old and a little bit outdated and you know could have been done better. And I've actually shot other ones that are similar that are better now. But mm. um, so well, I, I appreciate the kind words. It's good that you feel that way. I mean, I think it's a it's a beautiful shot, and it you know there's nothing to be embarrassed about. But I uh, I've I think that you know your your latest work should be your best. It should be the yeah. stuff that you're most proud of. And so Absolutely. it's good that you feel that way. It shows yeah. that you're improving. Yeah, um, thank you. What's the, the next, next one? Photo here, uh, the one called Fireplace. Okay. Uh, so this is after I started shooting interiors. I was away from real estate, but I wasn't quite where I am now as far as my my skill level. Mm. Um, but I was working for the brick and tile company that I mentioned that I was on retainer with. So mm. in my earlier days of shooting for them, uh, you know, I went into this particular home and shot this fireplace, and this was kind of a pivotal moment uh, of where uh, it kind of springboarded me into what I'm doing now. Because after I shot this and I was in the editing process, I zoomed in and I could actually see a logo on the bottom right-hand corner of the fireplace, on uh-huh. the glass of it. Yeah. So at that point, I just thought to myself, like, well, if I'm taking marketing photos for this brick company mm. and there's a logo for this fireplace company, maybe the fireplace company <laughs> could use a similar shot for their marketing. <laughs> yeah. So even though I had already licensed photos in BMX and in fitness and this random you know, Long Beach skyline photo, uh, it still hadn't quite dawned on me yet that I could relicense photos in this industry, in this space. And so this photo is a big um, springboard, like I said, of yeah. making me realize like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter what industry I'm in. If you have photos, there's some kind of company out there that needs these photos in their marketing. We're mm-hmm. living in a digital age. Instagram and Facebook and websites are how people sell things. So let me see if they need this photo. Yeah. Uh, and the Fireplace Company did end up licensing the photo for me. So this was kind of my intro into realizing that I could license photos from an interior space like this. You know, I, I have a, a photo of a young fox that foxes have 42 teeth and every one of them's pearly white. Maybe I can license it to a dentist. There you go. <laughs> That's, this is what I'm talking about, Mark, yeah. that licensing mindset. Yeah. Once you start to see it, all yeah. these opportunities just jump out at you and you start to think about who else can use my images. And yeah. I love that you brought that up. Like, it's obviously a little bit, you know, silly and off the wall and yeah. maybe not serious. Yeah. But at the same time, it shows that you're starting to think about your photos a little bit differently and thinking, okay, I have all these photos sitting on my hard drive. What can I do with them to make more mm. money? I love mm. that. Yeah. So, and the other thing, I mean, looking at this photo, when when this when I brought this up, the I love those. It's totally an aside, but I love those twigs on those uh, things on the wall. They they look like some of my Hokkaido landscape work, where it's just mm. just like snow and and the outline of a tree. Um, yeah. I think that's beautiful interior. Yeah. So the right. last one. Final photo. Yep. Yeah. Final photo here. Uh, at the top of the page or, or the top of your page, I should yep. say. Um, it's a kitchen shot. So this is a big uh, hero shot, as we call it, in the interior space. Uh, this is showing pretty much the entire kitchen. 
Uh, you know, this was shot for a build and design company that they remodeled this um, home in Orange County, California. Mm. Uh, and so this is more indicative of the kind of work that I do on a regular basis now. Mm. Um, so, you know, very detailed stuff, every bit of staging in there, the um, cookbook on the counter and the drink and, you know, the the flowers and the cutting boards in the background, all of those things were, you know, pushed and pulled a couple inches here and there to try to balance the image perfectly. Mm. This was shot with a mixture of ambient frames and flash frames all blended together in Photoshop. Um, so this was, you know, probably four to six frames plus, you know, some post-production of cleaning up things after the fact. Um, and so this was, again, shot for design build company as my client. And then I was also able to license this to the cabinet company. <laughs> um, but you can see in here the the hood uh, on top of the stove range is, you know, kind of a standout feature. So, you know, there's potential to sell to the company that made that hood or did the wood on top of the hood. Mm. Um, even as far as the knobs on the counter or the cabinets, like the little pulls that you open the cabinets and drawers with, mm. uh, you know, not this particular photo, but I have sold photos similar to this to the actual knob hardware company, mm. um, the countertop company. In this particular image, you can see the veins in the countertop and see what kind of material it was made out of. You know, there's a faucet that's pretty prominent there. Um, there's appliances in the shot. So uh, tile on the backsplash. So again, in an image like this, you just have a lot of options and a lot of possibilities of uh, a place that you can potentially license to. Mm. I love the fact that you've put, you've set that last chair on just to the side and you've got the, the, the magazine up there in the cup because that, that makes it much more personable, right? You, it, it's, yeah. It'd be too sterile without that. You, you give, right. you give the, the viewer some visual clues as to, you know, oh, you could be sitting at this, on, on this chair in this kitchen. Yep. It's, it's really Absolutely. nice that you do that. Yeah, thank you. That's that's definitely by design. Um, you know, in order to sell a dream and a lifestyle, which is what we're doing here, and in order to sell products, you have to make the viewer imagine themselves in that space. And mm. if they can't feel like they're actually walking into that space while looking at your image, then it's going to be a much tougher sell of whatever you're trying to sell. Yeah. Uh, and so one of my tips to that, actually, um, you know, of course, I work with designers that bring props. And a lot of times the homeowners already have nice things like that in their home. Uh, but one of my personal tips is that I actually bring what I call a props kit mm. to all of my photo shoots. So I have a big Tupperware bin that, uh, you know, stays in my backseat every photo shoot I go to. And I have um, uh, a cast iron pot and a cutting board and a cookbook and some utensils and a couple bottles of soap and a couple bottles of sparkling water and a towel. Mm. So basic things that you can bring into any kitchen or bathroom or, you know, sometimes living rooms or whatever mm. um, that you can just, you know, place in a room that might be empty otherwise in order to liven it up a little bit. And mm. it's come in handy more times than I can count. Uh, it's a, a value proposition to my clients, you know, them knowing that I come prepared and that I'm going to be able to help with these things. Mm. Uh, so if anybody listening to this is into this kind of photography, that's something you can keep in mind as well. Mm. Yeah. So um, there's one of the technical aspect that I wanted to ask about. Um, and that's really, it's really, um, it's kind of a, devil's advocate sort of thing because in some sometimes it kind of bugs me but there's a lot of uh, architectural photos use tilt shift lenses and make sure that all of the the verticals are perfectly straight is that something that you feel is, is a requirement for architectural work or or is it you know is it not good question um most people most of the time yes 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 um there i think there are a few instances for instance if you're at the top of a staircase and kind of like looking down into a room where 
you know, that rule can be bent a little bit, obviously. Mm. Um, but for the most part, um, yes, you're going to want to keep your vertical straight, your horizontal straight. Um, otherwise it ends up kind of looking like a fun house. Uh, and you know, you look like you're falling into the room or the mm. room's a little bit sideways. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's uh, pretty much a requirement. There are times, um, when people shoot uh, large architectural buildings. So think about, you know, multi-story buildings from the outside, uh, skyscrapers and things like that. And, uh, I personally think that sometimes when the verticals are perfectly straight on those, it looks a little bit unnatural Yeah. because when you look up at a giant tall building, right. it does kind of, you know, right. go in because it's so tall and, and perspective and everything from yeah. being a small person looking down at it. Mm. So there might be times when you can, uh, bend those rules, uh, no pun intended. Well, that's good. Uh, but I think for the most part, I think the answer is yes. Keep them straight. Yeah. That's good to hear because that's one of the things that gets me. You know, you're looking up at, say, a th- even just a three-story building. And if the top is the same height, the same width as the bottom, and you're obviously looking up at it, it, it feels unnatural to me. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, and but then I think there's there's some image that do a better job of it than others. You know, maybe depending on the camera height as well, might mm-hmm. have something to do with it. Um, but for yeah. sure, I see some and I'm just like, oh, I know you're sticking to the rule here, but it looks a little unnatural. That's good. That's good to hear that that's, that's something that does come into play. Yeah. I think we've been talking for almost an hour and I don't want to keep you for the whole day. We'll, uh, we'll start to wrap it up. But wh- where can people, I'll put a link to your your course in the website and the, the voucher and stuff. Um, is there anywhere that you'd like to send people to to, you know, to get, in touch with you or or is it all on that on that website now you can check out my work at adamtaylorphotos.com and my instagram handle is just at adamtaylorphotos okay. uh, and then everything for the course is just license your photos so licenseyourphotos.com mm-hmm. uh we were on instagram at license your photos um and then facebook we have license your photos and actually I, I forgot to mention this as part of the course we do have a private facebook group for those who enroll in the course okay uh and, and that's kind of a place where you can ask questions. You can share your experiences. We kind of help each other with any new tips or tricks or wins or successes mm. that we find. Um, and, you know, we, we really think that that's going to be a very valuable place for people to interact as part of the course. Mm. Uh, so that'll be, you know, once you join the course, you can have access to that. Um, and, yeah, just a reminder, you get 25% off for listeners. Just type in the promo code Martin at, uh, at your checkout at licensyourphotos.com. Excellent. Well, thanks. Like I say, it's very generous of you. Thanks. Thanks for that. And I, uh, I can't believe we've been talking for, I mean, I know that I started the recording a few minutes into this, but it's almost an hour at 56 minutes and it's, it's gone in like 10, it feels like 10 minutes. So. Oh, good. I, I hope your listeners feel the same and I hope they get a lot out of it. I, I'm sure they will. And it, so really, Adam, it's been a, a pleasure and I, uh, I hope to get a chance to chat again at some point. If you, you know, maybe when you're starting your fourth business or something or or you have a, anything new to talk about, drop me a line. We can hook up again. Cool. That sounds great. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the opportunity. Not at all. All right. I hope you all enjoyed learning a little bit more about me, my journey with photography and my career. And if you found anything in this episode helpful, please consider sharing it with one or two of your photographer friends. It would really mean a lot to us. Thanks for listening and good luck making some sales this week.